Would you pray with me? Resurrecting God on this holy morning, take all in us that is tired and troubled and breathe into us the life-giving hope of your word. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Sure feels good to be back in the sanctuary for Easter. Amen? Mm. <clears throat> I remember when the, when the pandemic had just started uh, just a few weeks before Easter two years ago, and Channel 7 came and interviewed Clover and me for a piece they were doing on uh, churches that were moving to online worship. And I remember saying something like, you know, it's going to be hard not to be together for Easter this year, but in a few months, when all this is over, you know, it'll feel like we're back together again. Misread it a little bit, but we are here today, and actually in another month, we will open those doors, and after two years of construction, we will be back in the rest of this building that we love so much. So there is a lot to celebrate and be thankful for. Amen. And there's also a lot in the world that feels really hard, too, right? Economic worries and um, political division, ecological crises, the pandemic, the pandemic still, and now, of course, uh, the horror in Ukraine. And you add to that all that each of us are carrying, our, our own share of sorrow and struggles, some of us carrying more than our share. It feels like a really mixed time in my own life, and I wonder if it does for you, with much to be hopeful about, and yet much that feels uncertain and scary, which is really what I want to talk about today. I want to talk about how our lives are, as the Buddhists say, 10,000 joys and 10,000 sorrows. And I want to begin by telling you about the day that I met Moses in California, <laughs> in a hot tub. <laughs> Two weeks ago, my son and I, we flew out to the West Coast. He was on his spring break. We were looking at colleges, and we had a great time, and we drove some of the coastal highway. We saw the redwoods. And on our last day, we ended up at Santa Rosa, California, and we pulled into the hotel about 3 o'clock and went headed to the outdoor pool. And that's where we saw him. Moses was a big man, as I had imagined he would be, right? About 250 pounds in his late 40s, sitting in the hot tub. From our lounge chairs on the other side of the pool, we could hear him introduce himself to people. Hi, I'm Moses. Moses with an I, he would always say. And I'm celebrating my birthday. And boy, was he celebrating. <clears throat> he had basically set up his own minibar around the pool or the tub and holding court with everyone, just with this big booming voice and a, this joyful laugh. And so after watching him a while, my son and I thought, you know, you don't get to meet an Old Testament prophet every day, so <laughs> let's go say hi. Happy for a new audience, Moses began telling us jokes none of which I can repeat here this morning. <clears throat> and in between drinks, he told us about working construction and 
uh, I told him I was a pastor, and he apologized for all the jokes. <laughs> At some point, he mentioned that he didn't used to drink. He said, in fact, I didn't drink for 15 years. And I said, oh, well, what changed? And that is when Moses, with an eye, welled up with tears. He said he had a brother named David. David was a landscaper. And this past year, of all things, a large hive of bees was disturbed on the job site and it attacked his brother. And he died from the injuries. Now Moses, as you can imagine, could barely get this story out between big gulps of air and big gulps of his vodka and Coke. It's like his body couldn't get enough of either one of them. He was in that much pain. And then I suddenly saw the whole, this whole thing, this whole afternoon, totally differently. You know, Moses wasn't there to commemorate his birthday. Right? He was grieving his brother. And his partying wasn't celebratory. It was to numb the pain he was in. And while he was making everyone else at the pool laugh, inside he was devastated. 10,000 joys and 10,000 sorrows. We probably spent about an hour with him that day. The pool had cleared out by the time we left and making sure that he could get to his room, we said goodbye to him. But I can't get Moses out of my mind. He was like this larger-than-life example of, of all of us, of humanity. His life was what Zorba the Greek called the full catastrophe, like all our lives are, really. He was like we are, kind and brave and sad and lonely, full of himself and beautiful. And I have wondered, what does Easter have to say to Moses? What about that cross is good news for someone like him? Since at least the Athanasian Creed of the 6th century, Christians have confessed that Jesus is fully human and fully God. It was important for the early Christians that people understood that Jesus was not just God in human clothing, right? that he experienced all it meant to be human. But as I thought about Moses and I thought about Easter, I began to think, what if it is also true that Jesus contained within himself all of humanity and all of divinity? What if in Jesus on the cross we see the full catastrophe of human life being met by the full mystery of God's love? So much of Easter theology is focused on the idea that Jesus died for our sins, making Easter mostly about forgiveness, which is important, of course. But what if Easter is about even more than that? 
What if we thought about the cross as the intersection of two great forces? We could imagine the vertical axis representing divine love, heaven joining earth. And the horizontal axis represents humanity in all of our beauty and all of our pain. And there's Jesus at the center with a great question in the balance. Is God's love strong enough to hold the enormity of human pain and suffering? Can it bear the weight, not just of our sin, but of our our deepest sorrows, our most devastating losses of Moses and his brother? And Easter is the great yes. It says, yes, there is enough grace to wrap around even the most terrible of things, the cancer, the bombing, the suicide, our aging, failing bodies, our cruelty to each other our helplessness to make things better sometimes, all of it held by God, loved by God, in theological language, redeemed by God. None of it abandoned or lost or too much. And by wrapping even the worst of our suffering in love, Easter says to us that at a profound level, it's okay. That all of this is okay. That what feels unbearable is bearable. If not by us, then by God. That day with Moses, I asked him, do you think you'll stop drinking again? He nodded, his blurry eyes, sad but hopeful. He said, I think so. God's been looking out for me. And then he said, you've been following me around for about a month now. That happens sometimes in my line of work. (laughs) Once people know you're a pastor, you become a kind of stand-in for the holy. So I knew what he meant. And it made me glad to think that Moses knew that God had been following him around. And I hope and I pray that Moses will manage to heal from the loss of his brother and to stop drinking so much. But the point I'm trying to make is that I don't believe it matters, actually, whether he does or not. Because either way, to God, he is a beloved child. And he is held safely in God's hands. So at that level, it's all okay. And that's the good news of Easter. That Easter doesn't need us to get our act together. It doesn't need us to ask for forgiveness. It doesn't need us to believe in Easter. 
It doesn't need anything from us. It is finished, as Jesus said. Can we believe that? That at the spiritual level, it's already okay, and there is nothing we have to do about it. There is nothing we can do about it. And the more we learn to trust that deep truth at the spiritual level, the more we are set free at the material level to live with faith and and hope and joy even in the midst of great suffering. Because we know that all of it, the full catastrophe, is saturated, permeated, marinated by the grace of God. You see? It was funny that Moses said he'd been following me around because I, since we've said goodbye, I kind of feel like he's been following me around. (laughs) I see people at the bus stop or the grocery store. And I think about him, and I think they too have a story behind their eyes. They too are holding 10,000 joys and 10,000 sorrows. And I think, and like Moses, no matter what they are going through, it's okay. Because their lives are being held in the fullness of God's love. And then I think, and so is mine. And so is yours.